0: hey guys welcome back to better from the ground up today we are going to have guest paul bodenstein on and we are going to talk about how to budget um, with four dollar corn and twelve dollar soybeans on the horizon
1: every morning when you get up you run up the flag says balanced nutrition and you salute it every morning that's what i'm here to do today
0: that's my strategy there's no magic program for everybody it's about identifying what's most limiting and fixing it So it's amazing what the crop can do when your nutrition is squared away and everything's good and adequate and balanced. Hey guys, Cody Goins here, and today we have Paul Bodenstein with us again. And um, the next few episodes we'll have Paul on talking about various topics. Um, Right now what we're going to cover is how to budget with four dollar corn and twelve dollar soybeans on the horizon. So, obviously, we've had good grain prices um, the last couple years, and um, like everything, um, that comes and goes. And it looks like that's going for this for this upcoming season. So, we're going to talk to Paul about how to budget. Um, for those of you that don't know, Paul, he is uh, he runs a uh, an independent advising service uh, company called ag systems in virginia and we've been working with paul for a few years um we met him through working with david hula because he's worked with david for a long time um, and paul's been a great resource for us for agronomy budgeting um, and just all kinds of stuff so um so paul welcome welcome back um We've had you on here before, and th- those episodes were great. We get a lot of good feedback on that, so we wanted to bring you back and, and knock out a few more topics. So welcome back. Today we're going to start with budgeting for $4-ish corn and $12-ish soybeans. So um, welcome back, and let's jump into the first question I've got for you is we just we we're talking about it. A minute ago but let's recap on that if you can how did we get here uh you told me a month ago that corn prices were going to be down you were like i hate to be the bearer of bad news but corn's going to get down to four bucks and i was like really um and i hadn't heard much about that yet um so how i asked you a minute ago what what were you basing that on um what do you what were you looking at looking for to kind of figure out oh yep this is going to get ugly
1: welcome morning Uh um that's a great subject to jump into, cold. But here, we saw that the uh, crop reports were coming out. Um, we had about, my memory's not exactly, about 1,200 1, million bushels of corn left over after 22. Mm-hmm. They were forecasting us to have about 2,200 million bushels after 2023. Well, so that was like, you know, a huge, obviously a huge increase in carryover. And when you look at, if we go back to trendline yields in the U.S. with, even if we plant 4 million acres less, you're talking about a huge, phenomenal carryover number, which ultimately will drive prices. Now, what's confusing, we knew that based on the numbers, anything below 170 bushel average us yield was going to be very bullish for corn anything over 175 is going to be bearish negative for corn mm-hmm.
0: so they came in
1: at 173 of course you know right on, right in the middle between those two numbers yep. but since then uh, in the in the report we got last friday january 12th they jumped that number up to 177 bushels per acre of corn, which is a staggering number considering all we heard from the Midwest was drought, 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 drought. Yep. And that's a whole other subject. But anyway, and sure enough, that's uh, the carryover number's changed. Uh, We have a lot left over. Um, Our biggest markets are obviously feed for corn. It's 40%. Uh Uh-huh. So if we get some strengthening in the in the cattle market, um, the hogs, the chickens. Maybe we'll we'll see some bigger demand. Ethanol anywhere from thirty five to forty percent, and then domestic use. To me, in my mind, I know this not right. Uh, exports are big, but they're not as big as feed or ethanol. Okay. Um, we have the issues with Mexico. China stepped in a couple of years ago and really ramped it up. Because of a lot of, for a lot of reasons, but I didn't see that as something that was going to be ongoing on a regular basis. Not like they do soybeans, right? So here's where we are, and we begged, pleaded, everything we could to get growers to sell, but they, you know, when you come off of the high number of corn, when which was basically caused by the uh, Ukraine Russian events. Yep. The other thing that was surprising, the last report that we saw, for all the d- mayhem and chaos and destruction that's happening over there, uh, Ukraine still produced one heck of a corn crop, and they got rid of it, whether they went through the Polish, either by rail, out through the uh, uh, the uh, Eastern European countries, or whether they went out to the Black Sea. So, huh. Wow. Moral of the story, which always is the case, never underestimate a damn farmer wherever they are, because they they they'll find some way to get things done. They're very inventive, <laughs> whether they're Ukrainian or uh, Iowinian. Yeah. Very very clever.
0: Awesome. That's interesting. Um, so okay, so here we are. Like you said. We are where we are. Um, looking at $4 corn and $12 beans, you do a lot of budgeting for your customers. Um, and I just wanted you to maybe walk us through a little bit of, um, I know you don't get into, you don't do fixed costs, right? Um, I do not do fixed costs. That
1: is that is all over the board. Growers, yep. you'd be amazed at what farmers put under the farm to pay for
0: sure but um so for for what you guys for what you're working with you know we're looking at herbicides fertilizers biologicals you know crop protection um all that stuff um can you walk me through um you know a guy that's not done much budgeting which i am assuming every farmer is some kind of budgeting obviously but um walk us through where you start let's start with corn um i know you've got a spreadsheet You know, you've sent it to me that where we we're putting everything in, but what's your thought process when it comes to budgeting? You know, we're like, okay, $4 corn, where do you begin?
1: Well, where we start is, uh, we, we've done this since 2000 or 2001, 2002. I don't remember when prices got really crazy, especially input prices got crazy. And I asked growers to don't think of it in dollars. Per acre necessarily. We need that number, but how many bushels does it take to buy that particular product? Okay. That practice. Yep. And just think about the number of bushels because especially two years ago when phosphate got to $1,500 a ton and potash was at $800. Just guys, how many, how many bushels does it take to buy it? I use the example of wheat seed for us because wheat's a big crop for us. It's been ten to twelve bushels a week to buy the seed to grow the crop ever since Moses parted the Red Sea. It's been that way forever for a long time, and and it, and that's where it seems to stay. So, so, so I list everything from seed corn to treatments to fertilizers to uh, biologicals, insecticides, fungicides, your uh, fuel, oil, lube, repairs. Mm-hmm. Pre-harvest labor, crop insuring, scouting, other costs—you can go on and on. But, and if you don't have these numbers, I use—I I think it's very helpful. I think the University of Illinois Ag Econ Department works really good for us. Okay, where I travel, I think they do a really good job, and they break it into Northern Illinois, which is the—you the, know—the promised land that really. Good growing conditions, high yields, uh-huh. high dollar rents, um, central Illinois, which is not as good, and then southern Illinois. And that's why I've always said that southern Illinois is the red-headed stepchild of Illinois. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. you really don't count if you're in southern Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We they, know they they uh, they, they, say they they recognize the challenges. Let me put it like that. They recognize the challenges of producing a profitable crop in Southern Illinois. We're very interested in Southern Illinois budgets because it's very similar to what we're dealing with here. Anyway, okay. We break there, and so we we use their numbers as a cross check to make sure that we're close. Uh, make sure we have a legit. Get the prices from uh, suppliers. to, you know, just to make sure that we're close and mm-hmm. go from there. So right now, we have planting and harvesting, excuse me, planting the crop up to harvest. With the budget numbers we have, is right at 102 bushels. We're shooting, we're averaging, this is for 160 bushel corn. Okay. Last year, our state average was 156 bushel corn. Okay. So that's 160 is what we normally shoot for, Um, or what's what we budget for anyway. So it was 105 bushel. And then we put, okay, we've got to put it in a tank now. We've got to get it out of the field and put it in a tank. And that was another 26 bushels to the acre. So right now we're looking at approximately 132 bushels to produce and get this crop into a grain bin. Okay. Okay. Now, I do not do fixed costs. Just for all the and fixed costs, I'm sure everybody knows this, would be. Land rent, salaries, equipment payments, utilities. Right. You, you know, you have to pay for whether you plant an acre or not. Those fixed costs are the cost. That I define that the growers as a cost that you would incur if you didn't plant a single grain. Right. And it's just too, it's just too much. It's just too yeah. over the board. I, we have a, we have a page for fixed costs, if a grower is interested, some of the things that they might incur, but we try to stay away from
0: that. Okay.
1: So right now today, at the with those numbers, Cody, our fixed, our break-even price is four dollars and thirty-two cents. How much? We're using the market price. Say, that, say that one it's, more
0: time. Break-even was what?
1: Four dollars. Break-even price today is four dollars and thirty-two cents. Okay. Our market price today—I'm using five and a quarter, which I'm not sure whether I should or not—but that's what I'm using here. Uh, December corn is four eighty right now on the CBOT as we speak. Okay, we've get, we get—we have a positive basis of about forty-five percent, forty-five cents a bushel, if we can hold it to March JFM. Okay, and most of our big farmers have storage. Okay, there. So. I put that I put that and that's what gets me to my 4 my 4, my 525 market price today um we get more than that but it's freight so I asked the growers please don't give me your price delivered to the Shenandoah Valley or down the Chesapeake to go out overseas take your freight out of that so we put it all back even to picked up at the farm foB the farm okay does that make sense uh-huh okay then, because you're in the manufacturing business, manufacturing businesses use gross margin as opposed to markup. Mm-hmm. So gross margin is the price you sell it for minus your cost over, divided by the price you sell it for. So right now today, the latest data we have from the USDA is that a large commercial grain operation and they define that as somebody who has over a million dollars in sales from farm produced products. Uh-huh. Okay, your average gross margin is about 27%. Okay. That's the average. And that's how you know whether you're getting a good price or not. If you knew it was 40%, yeah, you could get a better you may be able to get a better price, but that's a pretty damn good price. That's right. a that's a that's a pretty good drug for Pfizer. Okay. Uh, at the at the uh, at the prices today that I just quoted you, four thirty two is break even. Five and a quarter as the market price here. Now, unless you are near an ethanol plant, close to the river, um, where, where y'all are raising corn, you probably won't get that forty five cents. It may be forty under. You know, what I mean, I know that pockets of Ohio were forty under this year. Right. Anyway, your contribution to fixed costs and overhead is one hundred and fifty dollars. That's it, and that is a seventeen point eight percent gross margin. So, if the average is twenty seven percent, you're at seventeen. There's no way this is your best bet. It's just it would be to buy corn on the board right now and sit on it, and not plant a damn thing. Right? Yep. Because when you start getting down to these numbers, you start getting down to the teens and even single digits. There's just no way. You you don't even pay the rent with what's left over, contribution, right. to food, cost, and overhead. So, so what do you do then? Well, you buckle your chin strap. Um, where is it um, that we can? Where is it that we can cut? Now you know, part of it is your fertilizer, right? Um, We've said for dry land corn, for our yield goals, that your average range is 30 to 35 bushels. Okay, so if you're at $4 corn, if you go to the high end, 35 times 4 is $140. Here's your budget on plant food. Now tell me where you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck on that. Okay. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. $140. Now, $140 an acre, that's it. That ain't much. If you're going to stay with what we've done. Now, Cody. Yep. That's not $140 max on every acre. Right. You know, some acres, you'll be spending 160 and some you'll be spending 120. Okay. You Well, you can, if you can find a way to keep it all straight. Okay. But your average is around $140. Okay. So what do you, you know, where do you go from there? But, and then with um, irrigated irrigated corn, it was fifty to fifty five bushels. We we had more to spend because our yields were higher. So obviously, it comes back to the same thing. It always comes back to Cody. You got to squeeze out more bushels per acre.
0: Right. Yeah, that's what it, it it makes sense. I mean, as you're going through these numbers, I'm thinking, well, depending on your basis, like say you're forty cents under, it's like uh. One hundred sixty bushel corn, like you're going backwards, right? Like hey, you can't, we can't, oh, yeah. Yeah, we can't do that. Um, you, you can go to you
1: now. The good thing about with us is that if we do it right, which we have been, good Lord willing, and hopefully we, you know, we that if I put up the inputs for one hundred sixty bushel, if I have rainfall, that number can be as as high as two hundred forty bushel, right? With a decent rain, but if I just go to one hundred eighty five bushel, which we have averaged before on some big acres, uh huh. Don't leave everything else the same, but we go 185 then That number just jumped up to 27%. That's, where we're, that's the average, which if we hit averages here, that does give you 250, uh, bushel, $250 to pay the rent. We don't have the rents here that you guys have in northern Illinois.
0: Well, know. we don't either down here where I'm at, but yeah, northern yeah. Illinois would be substantially oh, yeah. higher than we are here in southern that, Illinois. That's right. This is why it's so important for us to be on this tissue sampling program and know what's most limiting, right? Because when when we have a budget to work with, like you said, where do you get the most bang for your buck? Well, it depends, right? (laughs) It depends what your soil fertility is. It depends what's most limiting. You know, do you struggle with molybdenum? Do you struggle with zinc? Do you struggle with potash or sulfur? Um, Are you over-applying nitrogen? Um, That to me, that that tissue sampling becomes an incredibly important tool for this budgeting and knowing where exactly we're going to apply those dollars on plant food.
1: well, I, I agree with you. Uh, if you find we'd like to think that we're interpreting them with some degree of sophistication that you don't normally find,
0: right? Absolutely. As opposed to I can understand
1: why guys get frustrated because they send tissue samples in. I have a guy that just sent his supplier came up and said, Your wheat is red. Let's take a tissue sample. It called, nitrogen was low, phosphorus was low. It called for about $80 an acre of foliar feeding. I said, The reason why your wheat is low is because it planted shallow. There's wheat sitting on top of the ground. Uh huh. And so a tissue sample in that case isn't going to tell you anything because it's the plant. So you still have to manage yep and you just can't use a tissue sample but you can if it's done right within the context the thing i would tell people cody you're exactly right on corn Mm -hmm. there's only four things that impact corn number of ears the rows around the kernels per row and the weight of the kernels right so last fall when you're out in the field in the combine and you're measuring all those that's the first place we go Because in 2023, for example, we know that the most limiting factor on corn production in 2023 in a lot of the areas that we work was the number of kernels per row. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that alerts you as a producer as where am I missing the boat and what area am I weakest and what must happen. Right during that so that I don't repeat that mistake. Does that make sense? Yes. So if it's the rows around, that's one area. If it's the weight of the kernels, that's another area. If you're not harvesting the ears because of uneven emergence or a variety of problems, then that's another area. That's where you need to focus on. So each fall, you as a producer, in my mind anyway, are going out to your fields and measuring those parameters right? to see what is it that I can do a better job of doing. Am yep. I getting 14 rows around instead of 16 or 18? Uh-huh. Am I getting 30 kernels per row instead of 40 kernels per row? Is right. it taking me 90,000 kernels to make a bushel versus 60,000 kernels to make a bushel? That's the first thing. That's where you drill down and say, okay, here's where I'm having a here's what <coughs> excuse me here's my limiting factor now what must i do what all has to happen for me to get more kernels per row right right and then we then we can say okay here then here's what nutrients we're looking at here's what we're looking at here's what timing of applications it's you know and this is this, this that says okay if we can if we can isolate where the event is that's holding us back then we can stay very very focused and then of course obviously the, then we look at the tissue samples to see what's happening in that area where we are and that's how we identify what's most limiting so we don't get tripped up again
0: but like you just said about the wheat, if it's that shallow, you know, like, like on the corn, we'll talk in another episode coming up about emergence. And, you know, there's there's some stuff where the tissue sample could mislead you. So we see, you know, a lot of times we were seeing our early phosphorus numbers on corn were like sometimes it was lower than what we wanted. And you start digging and it's like, oh, these are pretty much all shallow emerged. Right. And we're not going to get we're going to struggle with that if we don't get right. that right so right. um i think that's an important point um that the tissue samples are incredibly useful but only when you use them in consideration with all the other stuff going on
1: correct take about the right there's a really and i i i, I know what i hear what people, saying. people say i tried tissue samples Guy came out and took them. We sent them in. It came back with $30, 40 50 $60 worth of foliar feeding and all this kind of stuff. I did all that and didn't get anything out of it. Right. There's a very narrow window from a soil moisture standpoint. And when that tissue sample is valuable, there's a limited number of growth stages that you can take to where we have a database for that really ties uh, that nutrient to yield at that stage. Uh-huh. Um, there's a lot of misinterpretation. Yep. A lot of labs don't test all the elements. You can just go on and on with some of the... I feel sorry for the growers that are out there that said, well, I've tried that, and it didn't show me anything. It cost me a lot of money, so why am I doing this?
0: Right. Yep.
1: So you just say, hey, tissue sample. Well, no, yes, if yes, but I think you've seen enough, just with a little bit of time we've worked together, how that could be misleading, like you said. It could be misleading or, or just wrong. Right, and you know, girl said, "Well, I tried that. That didn't do any good for me." So I very empathetic to that. I yeah. don't know what to tell them.
0: Yep, I understand. Well, that's when we first started tissue sampling. That's what we saw, you know. And we'd go out when the plants were stressing, when the crops were stressing, and we'd have five or six deficiencies. And it's like, well, if we addressed all this, it would be fifty bucks an acre, um, you know. And then come to find out, when we start working with you, it's like. No, you don't pull tissue samples in the middle of drought stress, <laughs> and it's like, oh, uh, all right. But yeah, you
1: take what part of the what part of the plant? No, you don't take the little buds of the soybeans. Right, you take the last, the most fully developed <laughs> trifolia. Right, and you cut it off right here, and this is how you take it. And this,
0: you asked me when it. we were standing in the field taking soybean tissue samples. I took, I was taking the smaller trifoliates, and you said, "What are you doing?" I was like. I'm pulling trifoliates. They're they're not touching. They're unrolled and they're not touching. And you said, "Are they going to get any bigger?" And I said, "Yes." And you said, "Well, then they're not fully developed." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, okay, that makes a whole lot of sense." <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's amazing. Um, it's amazing. Yeah.
1: Anyway, so that's the problem. But to answer, to get back to get back on track here, to how the only way I know is that we shoot for. To try to get that gross margin back up to 27 okay because that's going to be average it's not a lot of money but we're not getting killed and right. then say okay we start working backwards i had an old boss that told me that if a guy really understands what he's doing or if you really want to see if you understand what you're doing go work backwards right work backwards so if okay. we want to work backwards we got to start with 35 bushels for, for nutrition and decide at $4 corn and decide where is that dollar going that's going to make us the most money.
0: Right. Okay. So you're back
1: to your ROI thing, concept. Sure. So that's and that's where we are with soybeans. Soybeans actually has a little bit more breathing room. Most growers perceive that they can make it, although the soybean yields uh, <clears throat> still aren't very strong. <clears throat> US right. Soybeans.
0: On soybeans, though, what what are we looking at? Um, corn you yeah, mentioned. Dryland
1: soybeans. Hold on, let me check. I had this pulled up in case we asked this. Crop production. Uh United States. The average yield, they up they upped the average yield right at fifty bushels, fifty point six.
0: Okay. And
1: uh, that was that was uh it was forty nine point six. It was one bushel better than last year, and it was one bushel less than twenty twenty one. So it's around that fifty bushel mark.
0: As far as what the farmers should be doing, you mentioned on corn, we should be out in the fall counting. What's our rows around? What's our kernel length or kernels per row? What's our population? Like how many ears per acre are actually out here? And what's our kernel weight? On soybeans, what is your – what's your strategy on soybeans? Well,
1: soybeans are obviously a lot more difficult. They're more, a lot more complex in some uh-huh. regards. Um, we're looking at the number of pods mm-hmm. that we're keeping at each node. Okay. The number, obviously, the, the number of nodes. Right. Um, we're looking for any diseases. Yep. Anything that we can find that's you know holding the crop back from a like, biotic stress, uh-huh. in insects, diseases, and weeds. Okay. And with soybeans you have all this thing with corn, again, as far as I'm concerned, we this has been the case for several years and it continues to be the case. In my mind, the most limiting factor on soybeans is retaining blooms and small pods. Okay. And that's almost always the case. Mm-hmm. So how... And, you know, I'm, I'm sure something we'll find something's going to be more limiting, but until we find a way to retain more flowers and small pods, that's going to be, that's going to continue to be uh, the most limiting factor.
0: Okay. So. So then you got to figure out why, why are they aborting, right? Why are
1: they aborting? Now we know from the literature. This is actually kind of exciting on soybeans. But let's do the numbers first. And okay. 50 bushel beans, right now, today, using the same thought process 50 bushel beans and everything in our budgets that we have, which we have zero phosphate, zero potash, by the way. Okay. Got 25 pounds of nitrogen just to get the sulfur from ammonium sulfate. Okay. Like actually, it's 21 pounds, but anyway, with no phosphorus or potash. In my world, with most growers, we're not seeing phosphate and potash as being most limited. Soil reserves. <coughs> very seldom.
0: Right. I'm saying it doesn't
1: happen, but very seldom for us. All right. And mm-hmm. then um, if that's the case, of 50 bushel beans, your break even price today is $8.76. You put $12 per bushel in there as the price. And that comes that gross margin is right at twenty seven percent. I mean, it is smack dab right on twenty seven percent, which is the average. Okay, but even then, at fifty bushel, it only gives you one hundred and sixty two dollars to pay for fixed overhead, fixed fixed expenses. Gotcha. Which is interesting. I'll tell you the most interesting thing: people do pay attention. Talk about the University of Illinois Ag Econ Department,
0: right? Right, I think, okay. it's
1: the, I think it's the best econ, ag econ for us anyway. Last yeah. fall, when they started doing the 2024 budgets, they clearly demonstrated that for most of Illinois, the most profitable cropping schedule was wheat and double crop beans. Right? Yep. So on Friday, <laughs> on Friday, we got the USDA report right? And so we have winter wheat seedings. It's a winter wheat seeded area. Mm -hmm. It's hard red and soft red. But Illinois went from 650,000 acres two years ago, right? Yep. 840 last year to 860. So they have really, really stuck with those higher numbers. Indiana is up from two ninety to four twenty five. Yep. So any place in Ohio would be the other one. Ohio went from Ohio had went from six fifty down to five fifty. <laughs> but those weed acres really, really jumped. Okay. So those guys were paying attention to what Illinois was saying from a budget standpoint. I find that I'm always amazed. <laughs> or was it something else?
0: Gotcha. Anyway, that's awesome.
1: It still doesn't give you a whole lot of money to pay the fixed cost. I can tell you, it's only one hundred and sixty-two dollars. Most growers here would tell you they need at least two hundred and fifty, maybe even three hundred, but two hundred and fifty certainly no less than two hundred, but two hundred and fifty. Now, okay. if I can go from fifty bushel up to sixty-five bushel, which is more likely on there, our we just went to three hundred and fifty-dollar contribution and a forty-three percent gross margin.
0: Say that one more time, if you can say it one more time. If I can go from
1: 50 bushel to 65 bushel,
0: my contribution to
1: fixed expenses just went to 350 bucks an acre,
0: and my gross margin went to 43%. Awesome. At $12
1: beans,
0: yeah. a big So it's the yield,
1: it's the yield, 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 at the end of the day, it's the yield.
0: Right. Which is why it's not, when the presentations you give, usually you, you point out the commodities and the trends in commodities, and you always say, we cannot go backwards in yield. Cannot. Uh, and we can't sit still for a little bit less input cost. We have to keep increasing.
1: Well, you have a budget. You just have to decide where you're going to put it. Right. Well, that's what I keep saying. You know, um, To grow the crop, I've got a budget of 34 bushels harvest the harvested crop I've got another three bushels so my total is 37 bushels just to plant and grow and harvest the crop right so that's your that's your number okay that's that's how much I can spend and if I know what my fixed costs are I mean my you know my variable cost for harvesting I've got36 dollars an acre just mm-hmm. to run the equipment not to own the equipment but just to run the equipment right okay um and i you know farmers don't dry here don't dry a lot of soybeans so i have nothing in there for drying i have for storing and hauling and labor and fuel and repairs but i don't have any money in that thing for drying. okay well that's a good move or not but these growers you know they what are we doing there but that's you get the 43 percent. you know we're raising a damn commodity right you know, the leader in gross margins, the model in the business schools that uses the iPhones, and that's like a 75% gross margin. <laughs> and I tell the guys, we're not raising iPhones out here, right? We're raising <laughs> commodities. So that's a hell 43% gross margin on a commodity. And this is what the big farmers know. If they can do that, or the, I don't say the big farmers, the good farmers. Right. They can live on $12 beans. It's not a bad price. Right. If I can get 65 bushels, I need a little bit of luck. I'll be the first to admit it, but if I get a forty-three percent gross margin on my soybeans, I'm not sure as a producer I can expect much more than that.
0: Sure. Okay. Perfect. Well, I think that that pretty much sums up what we wanted to cover today. I didn't want to go super in the weeds on that. I just wanted to at least have a conversation about budgeting, um, you know. And and I I think we did a good job covering some of the key things. Um, so we will cover, um, a little bit about wheat next. Um, and then in the, in the very near future, um, couple episodes, we'll talk a little bit more specifics about corn production and then about soybean production. So, um, thank you, Paul, for that. Um, that was helpful. Um, it's a nice introductory crash course on budgeting, um, Obviously, like you mentioned, the the list can go on and on and on with stuff that you can put in the budget, but but we covered the essentials. So um, I think we'll wrap up there for now, um, and um, then we'll have you back on this very next few episodes in a row. Um, where we'll be covering wheat production information and then we'll cover corn production we'll cover soybean production we'll talk a little bit more specific about our strategy what we're doing and why we're doing it so thank you paul Um, i think that sums it up thank you guys for listening and we hope you tune in for the next one